Hey there, welcome to The Hot Slice, the weekly podcast brought to you by Pizza Today magazine. I'm your host, Jeremy White, Editor-in-Chief of Pizza Today, joined by the one and only Denise Greer, our esteemed executive editor. Denise, that sounds good, esteemed. Yes, I like esteemed. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, welcome to, no- we're already into November. How the heck can we already get into November? I mean, people are already planning their holidays, planning their holiday parties, um, oh, you know, one thing we should hit on real quick before we hop into our guest is, yeah. you know, the holiday season is a great time to compensate your employees and to, Absolutely. to do those fun things that you need to do for your employees. Because remember, they were essential workers um, all of last year, and they are just essential, period. Um, so recognizing them and trying to find fun ways to, uh, to celebrate them at the end of the year is just kind of a natural thing. Yeah, they are on, on the front lines during a pandemic. They are, they are exposed to anything that's, you know, that's in the air, basically, right? Yeah. They are front and center, greeting your guests, working probably overtime because you're probably short-staffed. Mm-hmm. And they're showing up and they're getting the job done. And this is really the year, not that you shouldn't always appreciate and thank them for their effort, but if ever there were a year to say an extra thank you, this is without question the time. Absolutely. I think so, too. <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, hey, we're just coming out of National Pizza Month, and now it's time to focus on those holiday gift card sales. Absolutely. And the employee appreciation inif- initiatives, just like yeah. you said, Denise. And those big, we still have three huge days happening uh, later, later in this year, you know, with yep. the night, the day before Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Um, mm-hmm. And those are huge sales days, you know, but these guys, they're kind of used to huge sales days because it's, it's been unexpected that they've had these big monster days just on a random like Thursday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they've been having these random like huge swells of, um, of cells. So um, I hope everybody's you know, geared and dialed in for big days because you Same. have more. You know, I, I'm interested to see how this year goes because if we, we take a step back, go to last year. A lot of families did not have their traditional Thanksgiving feast. They didn't get together. Um, they stayed isolated. They, they cooked at home in their, you know, small family units. They didn't come together, aunts, uncles, grandkids, nieces, nephews mm-hmm. in, in a big Thanksgiving uh, brouhaha like in normal years. I think this year we're going to see that again. No one wants to cook the night before Thanksgiving. (laughs) The oven is occupied, right? You're, you're making all these side items and all the dishes and desserts and pumpkin pies for tomorrow. No one wants to cook that night. Nope. And that's why it's such a huge day for pizza sales. And last year, again, a little bit different this year, if people getting back together in person, we, you better it's be prepared. On. You better it's have on. all boots on the ground. You know, you better have all your employees in. You better be ready because I think you're going to explode this year. Yeah. And I know our guest today is going to be ready. You like that segue? You like it? I did it. That, that, uh, that was, that was <laughs> smooth, Denise. Thanks. That was, I had to, that was I silky. Out, so. <laughs> so we have uh, Thomas Renard from Cascadia Pizza Company. Uh, they're in Washington, right outside of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we had a really good conversation with him. Yeah, he's, he's a very articulate, fine young lad. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, Thomas is, is a very smart guy. He wears two hats, pizzeria owner, 
and attorney. Um, and it was, it was a very, very revealing conversation uh, that, that really shed some light on some things that most pizzeria owners don't think about because they just want their hands in the dough or to be out there touching tables. They don't want to fool with looking at the terminology in a lease, uh, things yeah. of that nature. Yeah. I, you know, he's, uh, he's got so much to say from both perspectives because not only is he dealing with the law side of things, but he's seeing the, the applicable side of what happens when you're trying to negotiate leases or negotiate uh, different agreements. Um, so it's fun to see how he gets to, uh, you know, play the lawyer hat and the pizzeria hat all at the same mm -hmm. time. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so he, I think he must be an insanely busy. Um, we know how busy it is when you own and operate restaurants, yeah. let alone multiple restaurants. Yeah. But then I have a, an entire career on top of that. Um, I wonder where the guy sleeps. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Well, let's just, let's just dive in and have a great conversation with Thomas. Uh, I think you'll, you'll enjoy the, the tips that he's going to share as well. Sounds good. Performance Food Service is proud to deliver high-quality products, innovative technology, and custom operational solutions to restaurants of all sizes across the country. The flagship division of Performance Food Group, with deep roots in the restaurant industry, Performance Food Service has been the exclusive distributor of the Roma family of brands for more than 65 years. This signature relationship has allowed Performance Food Service to become a leader in the pizza and Italian segment of food service nationwide. Your pizza is more than a craft, it's your legacy. Make it extraordinary with Baccio Exceptional Italian Pizza Cheese. Created by expert cheesemakers for a superior melt, endless stretch, and its signature kiss of buffalo milk, a taste that is rich and creamy beyond compare. Build your legacy with monthly cash rewards and marketing support through the Baccio Gold Club. Schedule a demonstration at bacciocheese.com slash hot slice. Pizza is your legacy. Build it with Baccio. Thomas, tell us a little bit about Cascadia Pizza Company and your role in the company. Yeah, so Cascadia, we got started um, about four years ago now, um, just with a wood fire pizza trailer, um, selling uh, at breweries and doing a lot of special events like uh, weddings and you know other caterings. Um, in January of 2019, we opened our first brick and mortar store. Uh, it's a little 300 square foot box. Um, we're still there uh, in a town called Enumclaw, Washington, so about uh, 30 or 40 miles outside of Seattle. Um, and we bought another food truck, so we've got two mobile units now, um, and then a little Forza uh, catering trailer. And then uh, about six months ago, we opened our second brick and mortar um, about 20 minutes away in a town called uh, Maple Valley. So it's kind of been our trajectory, um, a, lot of, a lot of fast growth, but uh, a lot of fun. So did happening? you use the mobile units uh, essentially as a way to eventually grow into a brick and mortar? Was that kind of the business plan all along, or did it just kind of evolve that way by accident? Yeah, I think that was always, um, that was always the plan. Um, of course, didn't know the timeline. What happened was, is we had been primarily selling outside of a tap room called Phil's Growlers. Uh, and they um, had, they were moving out into a property right next door. And so we, uh, when they moved out, we moved into their old space. Um, and so it, we didn't really know that was going to happen. But the opportunity just kind of uh, presented itself. And um, we, we went from there. So uh, I have two other partners, um, Christian uh, and Calvin. Um, so it's really the three of us that kind of uh, head the ship. But um, so most of my role really is um, in back-end systems compliance, um, oversee a lot of our accounting functions. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, any kind of negotiation or contract work or anything like that, um, I, I kind of tend to head that up too. 
Yeah, and we'll get later into the discussion. We'll we'll get into kind of why why that is, why that's your your role. Obviously, you, you you're you're an attorney as well, and and we'll get to that. But um, where did the three of you learn to make pizza? Um, you know, it's one thing to make good pizza at home in your home oven. It's another thing to produce pizza commercially that you consistently sell to consumers. Uh, where where did you learn how to do that? Yeah. So we, le- we learned from Christian. Cal and I really learned from Christian. He, um, he had gotten started um, actually prior uh, to Cal and I coming into the company, he got started uh, on his own. Uh, and then uh, Cal and I joined him uh, probably about a year, year and a half later. Um, and um, yeah, so he really taught us uh, for the most part, I believe, and we'd have to ask Christian, but he's for the most part self-taught. So he spent a lot of time, um, you know, like uh, the, the pizza Bible from Tony Gem- Gemignani and, you know, uh, just different materials like that really is where he learned uh, and just really, um, you know, practice makes perfect, right? So uh, if you go back, if you go back to our product three, four years ago, when we were first doing caterings uh, to now, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's totally different, but I mean, it's vastly improved for sure. That's really cool. And so absolutely. So how, what's the breakdown between, you know, what the stores are doing and what the mobile, because your mobile is just red hot, the, the business is. Um, can you talk a little bit about the various um, aspects of those two? Um, those two yeah. Yeah. I mean, brick and mortar, um, you know, revenue wise um, does more just because it's permanent. I mean, it's there every day. Food trucking, you know, we're probably in the summertime, um, you know, we're doing, gosh, 15 um, to even 20 events per week because we've got, um, we have the little uh, a Force of Forney uh, uh, catering trailer now too. So really we can do up to three mobile events in a day. Um, so summertime, that's just really busy. Uh, our catering, um, is really exploded this year. I think, um, we did about 103 events, I think is the number, uh, just in the past summer. Um, so that really is a a great part of our business and allows us to build up a customer base in markets where our brick and mortars aren't. So our new location, we just opened six months ago. We opened that pretty much directly because during the pandemic, we were going to all these neighborhoods that were in that area. Um, and so once we had covered, you know, probably, I mean, literally 90% of the, of the HOAs um, and everyone was asking us, when are you opening Maple Valley? When are you opening in Maple Valley? We thought, well, okay, let's open in Maple Valley. And so located the location and, and opened that way. So that's what's cool about being mobile is you really can test out different markets, go to different places. So now that's what we're doing. Now that we're open in Maple Valley, we're kind of branching out to some other, um, you know, nearby cities trying to gauge whether we want to open there too. So, I mean, mobile, it's, Definitely not as consistent, especially where we're at in the in the, the Seattle area. Wintertime, it's rainy. You know, it's, there's not as many um, catered events, certainly. And then um, even the neighborhoods and other breweries and whatnot, that slows down a little bit. But, um, I mean, I just met with our catering manager yesterday, and I think we've got, like, uh, 15 holiday parties booked and all that stuff coming up, um, you know, for Christmas time. So, um, it's the mobile side. It's a lot of work. I mean, it's definitely, um, it's, it's harder than brick and mortar for a lot of reasons, but it's a ton of fun. And it's really, for us, it's a critical part of our business. Did you have to change your dough recipe any, you mentioned the, um, mobile just being a little less consistent. Once you got into a brick and mortar where, um, you know, it is a little easier to be consistent in that kitchen. Did you find yourself changing your dough formulation or did you just use the exact same formula? Uh, Yeah, we've tinkered with it a little bit. Again, that's not so much my area, so I couldn't really get into too many specifics on 
what exactly we've changed. I know we we tinker with it a little bit here and there, but for the most part, it's it's pretty much stayed the same. I mean, we try to stay on the same proofing schedule as as much as we can. Yeah, and now, uh, so Maple Valley is now six months in, it's, it's rolling. Um, you know, what, what have you discovered with opening that second location as, you know, how did it differ from the first and um, kind of what have you learned in that process uh, comparably to when you've opened up uh, the, the first location? Oh gosh, we've learned so much. There's a big jump going from one to two. Uh, and you know, this location, it's a little bit different. So our Enum call location, it's th literally 307 square feet. I mean, it's tiny. Um, it's a walk-up window type um, type environment. So we, um, we've got a couple picnic tables outside and that's it. Maple Valley, um, it feels huge, but it's still small. It's only 620 square feet, uh, but still double the size of what we were used to. Uh, and uh, we, so we built it during the pandemic, right? So we really wanted to um, make sure that we were not going to have any issues with any future uh, regulations that came down or whatever relating to COVID. So actually all of our seating is outside. So what we did was is uh, there's a, um, it's got a great view overlooking uh, the Cedar River. Um, so uh, there's was already an existing patio that was covered. So um, we've probably got about 20 seats in there. And then we constructed a beer garden um, kind of in this backyard area that's adjacent. Um, so we can really seat probably about 40, 45 people. So that right there, biggest difference for us, we were not used to having a, a real sit down environment. Um, that took a little bit of time to really um, get used to and develop, you know, uh, front of house systems for. Uh, we also serve beer and wine. So that's a big difference for us also going through the, um, you know, liquor license process and, and all of that. Um, so those are really the biggest differences for us. I mean, it's a, it's a much higher volume store. It does two to two and a half times the volume of our Enumclaw store. So um, there was, I mean, like just looking at the numbers and looking at the volume, it was like, Wow. I mean, you know, in the summertime, we'll have to, we'll have to uh, staff 13, 14, even 15 people versus Enumclaw Max is out at six. Um, so it really changed a lot about our company and a, a lot about what we do. And it's given us perspective on how we want to do build outs in the future for future locations, because we really have two pretty different um, brick and mortars. But um, it, it's a lot of fun, you know, uh, we always just have a lot of fun in general, but it's a lot of fun moving from, you know, one store to two and really realizing, man, we've learned so much. How can we use that going to three, four and five, you know, so it's been fun. Speaking so what, of staffing, what issues are you experiencing right now and how are you combating said issues? Yeah, you know, we've been really, really fortunate. Um, we haven't had a huge staffing issue um, like a, a lot of other restaurants. I, I attribute a lot of that to our tipping rate. Um, you know, uh, our employees um, just on credit card tips are making an extra eight to 10 bucks an hour. Um, so, you know, our minimum wage here is thirteen fifty. So, you know, if you're a high school kid coming in, um, you could be making 21, 22 bucks an hour. So, um, that's, that's been kind of our saving grace in comparison to a lot of other, um, restaurants around us. And we don't, um, we don't have a front of house, back of house differentiation. So it's all just a tip pool. So we're able to get a lot of skilled kitchen people that are coming from a more traditional restaurant environment where they're maybe not getting tipped out as much. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're really able to compensate them well. And, you know, us being in a, um, a high minimum wage state, you know, it can be, it can be hard. We're going up another buck here in January. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've had to raise prices to try and combat that, but we've been really fortunate 
in in our hiring we've got a great great crew uh and you know it helps too i you know i grew up in maple valley where our second store is so um i've got you know a lot of um old high school teachers that will you know refer people to us and that type of thing so um but yeah moving forward i mean we really uh try to emphasize the tip rate to people and say look you can come and i mean make a real living wage here um and so you know our, our customers are really generous in that way so we've been we've been pretty fortunate yeah awesome. i know that's uh, that's something that that we see a lot like that that combative difference between the front of house and back of house and so doing your pay the way you do i imagine that does alleviate a little bit of that um that kind of um competitive between front of house and back of house right yeah and it's not perfect you know i think we'll have some front of house staff that are like well you know i was waiting this table you know i should get that tip or that type of thing but the way we talk about it it's really a group effort you know if you've got great service and you've got a great quality product like that's not just due to one side or the other you know it's it's everybody it's a team effort um and so you know most of our people in fact all of our people really are are on board with it so it's it's been good and as you as you grow because i mean you you guys are looking to grow it sounds like uh yeah just keep growing and keep adding um so as you continue to grow which model do you think that you want to expand with or do you want to kind of to do a combination of different concepts between um, the mainly carry out and delivery model versus the, the dine-in work. Yeah, I, I think a hybrid of that. I mean, we're, we're always looking for, for us, it's all location, location, location. Um, and so if we have a, a, find a dynamite location that maybe it would be a little bit smaller, like our Enumclaw store, I think we'd still be willing to do it. Now, after, now that we have a store that has beer and wine, I'm really big on the, on the beer and wine train just because the profitability is so great. But um it, if we can find a location where we can um you know put a shipping container pizzeria in that's something that we talk about quite a lot um is you know doing something that's kind of creative a little bit different um but maybe it wouldn't lend itself to a full sit-down model i i think we'd be okay with that i mean it really our, our enum cost store still does great numbers even without beer and wine and sit down so um you know but our maple valley location it's right off a of main main highway the main way in and out of town and so and it lent itself to having you know sit down beer and wine so um i think ideally we'd always want to go in somewhere where we can have some sit down and definitely do a nice um you know beer and wine business but again if we found a an infill property that you know there's nothing else that could go there besides a shipping container pizzeria and you're in a, a food desert type situation we'd do it for sure so um that's that's what's cool about wood fired is you really can get unique um and go into these tiny spaces that a lot of traditional restaurants or really any other business couldn't couldn't go into yeah and i um so the thing i, I love is that you have uh you're an attorney you've got a background in, <laughs> in law you know what you're doing so when you go into these negotiations for you know as you're looking at these different properties and as you're looking um to grow um, you know, from your perspective, because you know how, how these rules and laws work, you know, what are you looking at um, as you grow your business um, from a legal standpoint? Yeah, um, 
gosh, there's so much there. Um, <laughs> I know. Like, like, uh, <laughs> we can talk uh, for two our, hours. That's fine. Denise, yeah. <laughs> you just asked an attorney an open-ended question. We're going to yeah, have eight-seven-minute speech. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, we never said that we had a time frame on our <laughs> podcast. We're just going to make it a three-hour podcast, guys. It's gonna be Thomas, I hope you're not a politician, too, okay? Because we're not like <laughs> filibuster. Okay? Yeah, no, no, no. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, man. Uh, well, so, well, I'll tell you a story about our Maple Valley location. You know, that um, – really the property was not on the market we just called the guy up and said hey do you want to sell mm -hmm. uh and he and he said no uh and i said well we really want to buy it uh and so we kind of did that dance for gosh three or four months um finally we're able to get him to the finish line um and we closed almost exactly a year ago um nice. and so then you know we get going in the construction and um we, it was already an existing restaurant, so there wasn't a ton of permitting we had to do. So that was fortunate, or so we thought. Then we go to get our uh, restaurant permit, uh, and they told us, um, okay, yeah, this looks good, um, but you're on septic there. So, um, you know, we've got to have our septic team review it. And I thought, no big deal. We had an inspection done. You know, it, you know it's functioning fine. There's no, no problems. Well, then they come back to us and say, well, you know, we don't have any drawings of your septic system. And so what we're going to need you to do is excavate the whole thing. But, uh. if you ex but if you excavate it, you'll break it. And if you break it, you have to replace it. But right. we're not going to allow you to replace it because you have to have a 100-foot setback from the river. There's nowhere on your property that has a 100-foot setback. So uh -huh. I'm going, okay, well, there's no sewer tie-in. So that's not an option. Um, you know, the only option they gave us would to be uh, to have an above-ground holding tank for waste uh, and then we'd have to have it pumped out like twice a week. And I don't know That's anyone that wants to go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't know anyone that wants to go to a restaurant with a crap tank out in front. So, uh, you know, that, that would be a problem. You'd be so, one of a kind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'd be you could market tool. it, I'm sure. You could yeah. market that somehow. <laughs> exactly. So what I had to do is literally go read the whole septic code for King County um, and really figure out, well, what, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, it's like you want to condemn my property. And so then, um, you know, this was like a two-month battle of going back and forth with our health department and saying, no, you really don't have the power to review this um, because the way that they wrote the code, and this is where it's, you know, fortunate me being an attorney is I was really able to read that code and say, well, no, that just says you can review it if there's a change of use. We didn't change the use of the building. It was a restaurant before. And they said, well, you're changing it from a diner to pizza. That counts as a change of use. No, it yeah. really doesn't. And so going back and forth with them, and of course, eventually we won. And it, like I said, it took two and a half months, I think. Um, but that's where my legal background really comes into play is, you know, being in the Seattle area, West Coast, uh, we're in the same uh, King County as Seattle is. So we're in a really high regulatory environment. And so being able to um, work with different government agencies and bureaucrats, frankly, um, and really be able to interpret what they're saying and figure out how we can work with them within um, the confines of the ordinances and codes. Like that is the number one thing that um, has helped me uh, in our business as an attorney. Um, because most people, you know, if someone from the health department says, nope, you can't do it, say, oh, well, I guess I can't do it. They're not used to being challenged. And so when you um, really are able to challenge them and say, well, no, I'm reading what the law says, what the code says, that's not lining up with what you're saying, then it starts a conversation where they are more willing to work with you. Um, so that's, that's the biggest thing I've learned anyways in the last year or so, just walking through that process and getting this, um, this location open. And it wasn't just the health department, it was a whole bunch of other agencies to get involved. So for me, 
being in the area that we're in where we know that's always going to be a challenge. I mean, government's only getting bigger, not smaller. So, um, you know, that's just going to be more of a challenge, you know, as we move forward. So having the tools to really be able to combat that is, is really critical for us. Yeah. You just wrote an article for us um, <laughs> yeah. uh, on, on negotiating leases or just uh, how to tackle lease negotiations. And I guess the big takeaway is that, everything's negotiable. Don't just call up a prospective landlord and say, Hey, I saw this building on corner XYZ. Looks like it'd be a great place for pizzeria. And they're like, okay, it's a triple net lease. And it's this, this, and this. And you say, Oh, okay. Where do I sign? That's not really the best approach because everything is negotiable at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And with a landlord, you want to sell yourself as a prospective tenant. So you want to give them all the reasons why uh, they want you in that space over anybody else, the value you're going to bring, the more customers you're going to bring to the other tenants, whatever it may be. Uh, and that's what really gives you that leverage. So your ability to sell yourself is not only going to uh, help you get the space, but it's going to help you get it on more favorable terms. What do you think is the biggest mistake that people make in looking at those lease agreements? Just signing, not reading it, because maybe, um, you know, people try. They're so lawyer. long, though. Come on. Well, exactly. Law lawyers like to overcomplicate stuff. I, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit it. Uh, you know, I can write a 30-page lease all day long and not think anything of it. And then people say, does it really need to be that long? Well, okay, we can cut this out. We can cut, you know, that type of thing. So um, that's, that's the number one thing though, is people, I think, get intimidated by it a little bit. They think, man, I don't, I don't understand what subrogation means or, um, you know, right of first refusal, you know, all these kind of big terms that are in there that they just think, well, I'm sure it's fine. It's, you know, boilerplate or whatever. But I mean, honestly, like, and of course I'll advocate this as an attorney, but like have a good attorney that you like that, you know, it's not that expensive. It's worth the time for, to have someone review it and tell you, here's what I like, here's what I don't like, here's what I would change. Um, and it's almost like an insurance policy for you of, you know, am I getting into this um, agreement? Is this really what's going to benefit me over the next, you know, three, five, 10 years, whatever the lease term is. Um, and so doing that before you're stuck in it um, really is advantageous. What sort of term do you like put your pizzeria owner hat on now when yeah. you're looking at a location. Yeah. What, what sort of term are you looking for? Something that's long-term for us. I mean, we know that um, any place that we're going to go into, we've done the market research. We know that's where we want to be for at least 10 years. So getting a, a long lease term is important for us. Something that uh, has preset, um, rent increases, you know, whether it's 3% a year or whatever, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways you can structure it. Those are the two big things for us um, is making sure that we can be there as long as possible, um, you know, and also if possible, get a right of first refusal on the, on the property. Um, so then that way we have that option um, later down the road. Um, you know, we prefer to try and uh, purchase property wherever, you know, possible. Mm -hmm. um, that's not always um, the best route for pizzerias or just depending on what, um, you know, every business is different, right? But um, having that security of a right of first refusal, um, if the landlord is going to sell the building, then you have that kind of in your back pocket. Um, so long lease term, right of first refusal, and then yeah, preset um, rent increases. Um, those are really the, for us, those are really the big things. 
Now you said uh, hiring an attorney. Now I'm going to tell you that sometimes hiring is just one of the hardest things you go through as a business owner, you know, trying to decide, okay, who's legit, who's not, um, what criteria do they have? Do they have the experience that I need? Um, what do you think is most important to a pizzeria operator as they're looking to hire an attorney for you know, their, their various needs, whether it's lease or going through any type of negotiations? Uh, what should they be looking for in those attorneys? Well, the first thing is, is you want someone you can, you can work with, right? You want someone that you can have a, a good personal rapport with that, you know, you're going to want to pick up the phone and talk to them, not necessarily out of like necessity, but just like, oh yeah, you know, he would have a good perspective on this. Um, so that's the number one thing. Find someone that you can get along with and, you know, uh, attorneys are, we're, we're a different breed for sure. So that might not be the easiest thing to find. But for me, I'm all about the personal relationship. And so that's, that's the most important thing I would say. And then beyond that, you want someone who has business experience, you know, you can find a lot of attorneys out there who will tell you, oh, yeah, I have experience in that. But really, maybe, you know, most of their business is in like trust and estates and estate planning. That's not someone you want. You want someone who's experienced with um, lease, you know, with any type of negotiation, with that has done a lot of work with um, small to mid-sized businesses. Um, you know, preferably someone who's worked with other restaurants. I mean, restaurant um, contracts and leases and that type of thing to, uh, tend to be a little bit different um, than uh, just your basic like office lease or something like that. So, um, you know, when you're interviewing a lawyer or working with them for the first time, ask them about their um, experience about. Um, have you worked with restaurants before? Have you worked with pizzerias before? Um, have you worked um, in this jurisdiction, in this county or city or whatever? Have you ever done something there? Um, because that's that's another thing, just in terms of regulation, you know, you want um, someone who's familiar with the area you're in. Um, so those are the big things. I mean, honestly, the personal relationship is the biggest and then the experience level um, and making sure that they do a lot of work in our industry. Um, that's That's really the biggest thing. Excellent. Very insightful. Thank you very much for taking some time to sit down with us today and talk to us about Cascadia as well as some of the you know pertinent back office issues that a lot of times people jump into the pizza industry because they have a passion for connecting with people or making a really good product. They don't want to fool with all the other, you know, clerical <laughs> type type stuff. So it's it's very important and I'm glad that you shined a light on that today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Well, thanks a lot. And we'll get you, get you write another article. You, uh, you did a great job. So bring you back into the loop on that. Cause I absolutely. Think, uh, you have a lot of great things yeah. to say. Tommy uh, Brace, well, appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time this morning for you. It's afternoon for yeah. us, but morning for oh, you. Right. And, uh, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Yeah. You guys too. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks Thomas. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.